Hello, this is Jeff Barnum reading the Supreme Court opinion syllabus in more in his official capacity as Speaker of the North Carolina House of Representatives et al. versus Harper et al. Certiorari to the Supreme Court of North Carolina. Argued December 7th, 2022. Decided June 27th, 2023. The Elections Clause of the Federal Constitution requires the legislature of each state to prescribe the rules governing federal elections, Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1. This case concerns the claim that the clause vests state legislatures with authority to set rules governing federal elections free from restrictions imposed under state law. Following the 2020 decennial census, North Carolina's General Assembly drafted a new federal congressional map which several groups of plaintiffs challenged as an impermissible partisan gerrymander in violation of the North Carolina Constitution. The trial court found partisan gerrymandering claims non-justiciable under the state constitution, but the North Carolina Supreme Court reversed. That's Harper v. Hall, 380 North Carolina, 317, Harper 1. While acknowledging that partisan gerrymandering claims are outside the reach of federal courts, the state Supreme Court held that such questions were not beyond the reach of North Carolina courts. The court also rejected the argument that the Federal Elections Clause vests exclusive and independent authority in state legislatures to draw federal congressional maps. The court enjoined the use of the maps and remanded the case to the trial court for remedial proceedings. The legislative defendants then filed an emergency application in this court, citing the Elections Clause and requesting a stay of the North Carolina Supreme Court's decision. This court declined to issue a stay, but later granted certiorari. After this court granted certiorari, the North Carolina Supreme Court issued a decision addressing a remedial map adopted by the trial court. That's Harper v. Hall, 383 North Carolina 89, Harper 2. The North Carolina Supreme Court then granted the legislative defendant's request to rehear that remedial decision in Harper II. The court ultimately withdrew the opinion in Harper II concerning the remedial maps and overruled Harper I, repudiating its holding that partisan gerrymandering claims are judiciable under the North Carolina Constitution. The court dismissed plaintiff's claims but did not reinstate the 2021 congressional plans it struck down in Harper 1 under the state constitution. This court has entertained two rounds of supplemental briefing on jurisdictional questions in light of the state court's rehearing proceedings. Held. This court has jurisdiction to review the judgment of the North Carolina Supreme Court in Harper 1 that adjudicated the Federal Elections Clause issue. A corollary to this court's jurisdiction over cases and controversies is that there must exist a dispute at all stages of review, not merely at the time the complaint is filed. The North Carolina Supreme Court's decision to withdraw Harper II and overrule Harper I does not moot this case. Prior to the appeal and rehearing proceedings in Harper II, the court had already entered the judgment and issued the mandate in Harper I and the legislative defendants acknowledged that they would remain bound by Harper One's decision in joining the use of the 2021 plans. When the North Carolina Supreme Court overruled Harper One as part of the rehearing proceedings, it repudiated Harper One's conclusion that partisan gerrymandering claims are judiciable under the North Carolina Constitution. But the court did not purport to alter or amend the judgment in Harper One in joining the use of the 2021 maps. 
Were this court to reverse Harper 1, the 2021 plans would again take effect. Because the legislative defendant's path to complete relief runs through this court, the parties continue to have a personal stake in the ultimate disposition of the lawsuit, sufficient to maintain this court's jurisdiction. This court also has jurisdiction to review the judgment in Harper 1 under 28 United States Code Section 1257 subparagraph A, which provides that jurisdiction in this court extends to final judgments rendered by the highest court of a state in which a decision could be had. Cox Broadcasting Corporation v. Cone, 420 U.S. 469, a Supreme Court case from 1975, identified categories of cases in which a decision of a state's highest court was considered a final judgment for Section 1257 sub A purposes despite the anticipation of additional lower court proceedings, including cases in which the federal issue finally decided by the highest court in the state will survive and require decision regardless of the outcome of future state court proceedings. Harper 1 is such a case. Because subsequent proceedings have neither altered Harper 1's analysis of the federal issue nor negated the effect of the Harper 1 judgment striking down the 2021 plans, that issue both has survived and requires decision by this court. The Elections Clause does not vest exclusive and independent authority in state legislatures to set the rules regarding federal elections. Marbury v. Madison, 1 Cranch 137, a Supreme Court case from 1803, famously proclaimed this court's authority to invalidate laws that violate the federal constitution. But Marbury did not invent the concept of judicial review. State courts had already begun to impose restraints on state legislatures even before the Constitutional Convention, and the practice continued to mature during the founding era. James Madison extolled judicial review as one of the key virtues of a constitutional system, and the concept of judicial review was so entrenched by the time the court decided Marbury that Chief Justice Marshall referred to it as one of society's fundamental principles. The Elections Clause does not carve out an exception to that fundamental principle. When state legislatures prescribe the rules concerning federal elections, they remain subject to the ordinary exercise of state judicial review. In Ohio X. Rel. Davis v. Hildebrandt, 241 U.S. 565, a Supreme Court case from 1916, this court examined the Election Clause's application to a provision of the Ohio Constitution permitting the state's voters to reject, by popular vote, any law enacted by the state's General Assembly. This court upheld the Ohio Supreme Court's determination that the Federal Elections Clause did not preclude subjecting legislative acts under the clause to a popular referendum, rejecting the contention that to include the referendum within state legislative power for the purposes of apportionment is repugnant to Section 4 of Article 1, the Elections Clause. And in Smiley v. Holm, 285 U.S. 355, a Supreme Court case from 1932, this court considered the effect of a governor's veto, pursuant to his authority under the state's constitution of a congressional redistricting plan. This court held that the governor's veto did not violate the Elections Clause, reasoning that a state legislature's exercise of authority under the Elections Clause must be in accordance with the method which the state has prescribed for legislative enactments. The court highlighted 
that the federal constitution contained no provision of an attempt to endow the legislature of the state with power to enact laws in any manner other than that in which the constitution of the state has provided that laws shall be enacted. This court recently reinforced the teachings of Hildebrandt and Smiley in Arizona State Legislature versus Arizona Independent Redistricting Commission, 576 U.S. 787, a Supreme Court case from 2015. A case concerning the constitutionality of an Arizona ballot initiative to amend the state constitution and to vest redistricting authority in an independent commission. Significantly for present purposes, the court embraced the core principle espoused in Hildebrandt and Smiley, Whatever authority was responsible for redistricting, that entity remained subject to constraints set forth in the state constitution. The court dismissed the argument that the Elections Clause divests state constitutions of the power to enforce checks against the exercise of legislative power. The basic principle of these cases, reflected in Smiley's unanimous command that a state legislature may not create congressional districts independently of requirements imposed by the state constitution with respect to the enactment of laws, commands continued respect. The precedents of this court have long rejected the view that legislative action under the Elections Clause is purely federal in character, governed only by restraints found in the federal constitution. The argument to the contrary does not account for the framers' understanding that when legislators make laws, they are bound by the provisions of the very documents that give them life. Thus, when a state legislature carries out its federal constitutional power to prescribe rules regulating federal elections, it acts both as a lawmaking body created and bound by its state constitution and as the entity assigned particular authority by the federal constitution. Both constitutions restrain the state legislature's exercise of power. This court's decision in McPherson v. Blacker, 146-1, a Supreme Court case from 1892, in which the court analyzed the Constitution's similarly worded Elector's Clause, is inapposite. That decision did not address any conflict between state constitutional provisions and state legislatures. Nor does Lesser v. Garnet, 258 U.S. 130, a Supreme Court case from 1922, which involved a contested vote by a state legislature to ratify a federal constitutional amendment help petitioners. That case concerned the power of state legislatures to ratify amendments to the federal constitution. But fashioning regulations governing federal elections unquestionably calls for the exercise of lawmaking authority. And the exercise of such authority in the context of the Elections Clause is subject to the ordinary constraints on lawmaking in the state constitution. Petitioners concede that at least some state constitutional provisions can restrain a state legislature's exercise of authority under the Elections Clause, but they read Smiley and Hildebrandt to differentiate between procedural and substantive constraints. But neither case drew such a distinction, and petitioners do not in any event offer a defensible line between procedure and substance in this context. Historical practice confirms that state legislatures remain bound by state constitutional restraints when exercising authority under the Elections Clause. Two state constitutional provisions adopted shortly after the founding expressly constrain state legislative action under the Elections Clause. See Delaware Constitution, Article 8, Section 2 from 1792, Maryland Constitution, Article 14 from 1810. In addition, 
multiple state constitutions at the time of the founding regulated the manner of federal elections by requiring that elections shall be by ballot. Moreover, the Articles of Confederation, from which the framers borrowed, provided that delegates shall be annually appointed in such manner as the legislature of each state shall direct, Article 5. Around the time the Articles were adopted, multiple states regulated the appointment of delegates, suggesting that the framers did not understand that language to insulate state legislative action from state constitutional provisions. C.E.G. Delaware Constitution, Article 11, from 1776. Although the Elections Clause does not exempt state legislatures from the ordinary constraints imposed by state law, federal courts must not abandon their duty to exercise judicial review. This court has an obligation to ensure that state court interpretations of state law do not evade federal law. For example, states may not sidestep the Takings Clause by disavowing traditional property interests. While the court does not adopt a test by which state court interpretations of state law can be measured in cases implicating the Elections Clause, state courts may not transgress the ordinary bounds of judicial review such that they arrogate to themselves the power vested in state legislatures to regulate federal elections. The court need not decide whether the North Carolina Supreme Court strayed beyond the limits derived from the Elections Clause, as petitioners did not meaningfully present the issue in this court. Affirmed. Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion of the court in which Justices Sotomayor, Kagan, Kavanaugh, Barrett, and Jackson joined. Justice Kavanaugh filed a concurring opinion. Justice Thomas filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Gorsuch joined and which Justice Alito joined as to Part 1. Thank you for listening. Please help us by rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you subscribe so you can get all of the end-of-term decisions automatically delivered to your device. If you wish to communicate with the podcast, please email us at scotusdecisions at gmail.com.